This podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate delivers the best in geek and gaming gear. From collectibles, apparel, and tech gadgets to art and other epic gear, it's like having Comic-Con in a box. Loot Crate also features individual subscription boxes for gaming, anime, Marvel, and WWE fans, and plans begin at just $24.99 a month. So head on over to cinemageekly.com slash lootcrate, or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Cops came by asking about manhole covers. I'd like to counter at a dollar a pound for the copper, 30 cents a pound for the fence, and 20 cents per for the covers. Uh, sell them somewhere else. I feel good at 75, 25, and 15. I'm not negotiating with you. I think we're close. I'm done. I'm willing to take less to establish a business relationship. If that's your last best offer, then I guess I accept. All right, drive around back and unload them. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. In fact, I've made up my mind to find a career that I can learn and grow into. Who am I? I'm a hard worker. I set high goals, and I've been told that I'm persistent. Now, I'm not fooling myself, sir. Having been raised with the self-esteem movement so popular in schools, I used to expect my needs to be considered. But I know that today's work culture no longer caters to the job loyalty that could be promised to earlier generations. What I believe, sir, is that good things come to those who work their asses off, and that people such as yourself who reached the top of the mountain didn't just fall there. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. Did I say that I worked in a garage? So what do you say? I could start tomorrow, or even why not tonight? No. How about an internship, then? A lot of young people are taking unpaid positions to get a foot in the door. That's something I'd be willing to do. I'm not hiring a fucking thief. It's a brand new podcast from Parts Unknown, a strange journey through the depths of Netflix. It is Anthony Lewis, along with Glenn Beauvais, and we are back to talk another random Netflix film, although not the one that we said we were going to talk about last time, which I think was Catch Me If You Can, but it is not on Netflix, nor is it on... Yeah, I guess you could not catch it while you could, so... (laughs) I literally lived up to the name. Uh, I didn't catch it while I could, and therefore I missed it. Uh, it is not on any streaming services currently, which I'm a little surprised by. Uh, but it was it was not available. So uh, we drew another movie, and we are instead going to be talking about the 2014 neo-noir thriller Nightcrawler, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, among others. He's, he's mostly the star, but Rene Russo is also in this movie, as well as... Um, uh, Riz Ahmed and Bill Paxton. Uh, although he was not in it nearly enough for my liking, Glenn. Uh, no, no. More Paxton. Uh, in 
could we just go back and digitally enhance and increase the length of all of his performances or maybe just go back and watch Twister, uh, which I may in fact do at some point. I'm a little disappointed that hasn't come up on the podcast. That's Paxton, right? I always confuse my my Paxton and my Pullman for some reason. Yeah, that's Paxton. Okay. Pullman um, was the president. President. Paxton chased tornadoes. Tornadoes. Okay. I was right. Um, I had a his. I have a. I have a, like a. Well, and Paxton. Paxton's dead. And <laughs> he, Pullman, Pullman is. No, he's not. Um, this movie, uh, not about the mutant Glenn, uh, to my great disappointment. Um, I have no idea if uh, Jake Gyllenhaal had a long career in the Munich circus or not, but uh, he did find himself a career in this film. This is not what I expected. You had said you've seen this before. Uh, oh, yes, I have. I had never, uh, but I wanted to. Uh, I remember hearing all of the positive reviews and the hype around it in 2014. And uh, just one of those things where it's like, I'll get around to it eventually. And here we are in 2021. And I finally watched it. I don't know why. Maybe it was the the poster or maybe something about the trailers or something. But I thought this movie was about Jake Gyllenhaal being some sort of creepy serial killer. That's the image that was in my mind. It's oh, not, yeah, because he's totally not that. <laughs> he's not. In, he's not. It's not entirely disjointed from that. Um, but that's not exactly what the movie is about. Um, he plays. Uh, what is his name? Lewis. Uh, Lewis Bloom. And he is like a small time crook, like a thief, largely. Um like, I, look, I was already sold on this at the beginning when he uh, beats up this guy and takes his watch when he notices that he has a nice watch. I thought, oh, he murdered that guy because this is a murder movie where he's like a cold-blooded killer. Um, now, people do definitely die and he lets them die, but he doesn't exactly do the the killing. He sort of... I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, definitely if he was caught in court, it would be argued uh, that he definitely partook. I I think largely he was just doing it for his advantage to advance. Well, I guess we don't really know if Bill Paxton dies. I guess that is fair, but he definitely put Bill Paxton in a hospital. (laughs) That's true. Uh, I, I mean, and he did beat this dude up at the beginning of the movie to steal his watch. But, uh, Glenn, I think in a lot of ways, uh, this movie is really all about the new American dream. I know that the American (laughs) dream is dead, like the original American dream is dead. But I think this is about the new American dream. I think it's about what the American dream always was. Oh, quite possibly. If you really want to get darkly philosophical about it, you might have a good point. This is a guy who was... uh, I think safe to say probably a sociopath like he does not display emotion at very rarely um and he's very clinical he has admittedly no real real good formal education but he is incredibly smart very smart uh and it seems like He's either self-taught himself a lot of things or he's just a very good bullshitter about something to make it sound like he knows what he's talking about. 
And the beginning of this movie, we see him trying to, um, he steals lengths of chain link fence, manhole covers, things like this to sell at a scrap yard. Uh, he's trying to negotiate a price with the owner of the scrap yard. Uh, and then he tries to get a job. He tries to talk himself up to get a job. And this guy's like, I'm not going to hire a crook. He then essentially begs for a job. He's like, I'll take an internship, an unpaid internship. Um, by the end of this movie, uh, he is on the verge of, I, I don't I maybe millionaire, maybe too, uh, too high, uh, a standard for where he, for, for where his character ends up, but a comfortable he, living. Yeah. He goes from begging for an internship at a scrapyard to owning his own very, very successful business. And largely by being detached cutthroat and uh, in a lot of ways skirting uh, well skirting the law is bullshit breaking the law like he flies in the face of of everything and gets away with pretty much all of it Uh, so he doesn't get the job and he sees an accident or whatever and for whatever crazy reason, he decides to stop his car and get out and look at what happens when a van pulls up and dudes jump out with cameras and they are documenting the event. They don't actually work for a news station. They are, I, I don't know, Glenn, they're kind of like the TMZ of like real life tragedies. Uh, yeah. Almost like a, almost like a paparazzi for the average folk, but only when it's the worst day of their life. And they capture footage of disasters, car accidents, murders, robberies, things like that. And then they sell them to news stations. So news stations have footage of these things um, to cover them. Uh, And they make a fairly tidy sum. And that's where we meet Bill Paxton's character. This is what he does for a living. And uh, Lou uh, becomes very curious with this and thinks that it is something he could do. So he steals a bike, pretends to know a lot about the bike, or maybe he went and learned a lot about the bike or just bullshit of the guy at the pawn shop about the bike. But he steals this bike and sells it uh, for like $800 in store credit so he can get a camera and a police scanner. And he just starts doing this job himself and uh, sort of sees the guidelines that other people who do this are following. And then he breaks them to get better footage and better angles. And then uh, once he is given some praise by Rene Russo's character, who is the, um, the, I guess the news manager, the news production manager, news director, news director for uh, a local station there in California. Uh, This praise like boosts his, uh, confidence and he starts learning more and more and becomes obsessed with uh, understanding what draws people into watching this sort of footage. And obviously not only um, is this movie in a large roundabout way kind of about this weird dark version of the American dream, but it also touches a lot on sensationalism in the news. And uh it's part of the reason why so many people are very untrustworthy of news outlets because there is a lot of sensationalism in the news and 
you see obviously way more horrible shit in the news than you see positive shit because it's the car crash effect. People look at a car crash when they go by. They can't not look at it. And when you present it to them on their television and it looks uh, professionally shot and like people just can't look away and it's ratings and ratings is advertising dollars. And he quickly becomes obsessed with uh, getting to the scene before anybody else doing things that nobody else would do. Like if he gets to a scene before the police, he will go inside and film things inside people's homes. Um, things of things of that nature. He becomes obsessed with getting the right shot. Uh, there's a scene where there's a guy who died in a car accident, but because the shot didn't look cinematic enough, he dragged the body to where it would look good. Uh, things like that. Highly disturbing things. Uh, eventually, he takes on um, a character played by Riz Ahmed, who is his kind of like his protege a little bit. And when things start sort of escalating for them, when things start getting lucrative, uh, he asks, uh, he tells them he's going to promote him and give him a raise. Uh, but his own bargaining techniques get used against him. And uh, near the end of the movie, there is a scene uh, where there's a, an automobile accident where the police are chasing um, a murder suspect. And when Lewis uh, approaches the vehicle, he says the guy is dead in the car and uh, tells his sidekick to go uh, to, to go film it. But the guy in the car is not dead and shoots him dead. And then Lewis films him dying because he's really fucking disturbing. Um, but yeah, and he never gets his comeuppance, uh, Glenn. Uh, the What he gets at the end of this movie is rewarded for his terrible behavior. Uh, he ends up expanding his business, hiring a crew. They have multiple vans and a large working relationship with a local news station. Um, so he is successful and rich, and it all came from being absolutely horrible. I can't imagine how relatable that would be to anybody these days, Glenn, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Nightcrawler. Um, yeah, I didn't see it right tonight. I, I saw it the year it came out, but um, it came on Netflix, I think, pretty quickly, and that's how I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't see it in theaters, and I didn't know anything about it. I just knew Jake Dillenhall was in it. He seemed kind of creepy. I've heard it. I had heard it was really good, and then I watched it, and damn, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's tremendous uh, in this. Yeah, he is, and he's in every scene of the movie. Yeah, which is crazy. Yep. Um, yeah, that because he was one of those like uh, people felt like he was snubbed for an Oscar that year. I don't really remember who won, but. I remember after watching it thinking like, yeah, he kind of, uh, he's, he's doing something in this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've always liked him as an actor. I know some people don't, but I, I think he takes really big swings and usually he does pretty well with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> the movie's just incredibly fucked up. Right. I mean, yeah. He oh, is, yeah. He, he is, he the job doesn't make him evil he is evil right and you mm -hmm. see like people have certain codes that they're like yeah yeah man it's just for the money but you know it's it's nothing personal whereas he just takes a, another step further whereas 
everyone is a possible subject, right? I mean, yes, doesn't matter. He's probably making a bunch of money because you know every white woman in America is in a true crime. So, <laughs> um, I mean, Bill Paxton got in his way, so he removed yeah. him. His partner got in his way, so he removed him. Yeah. Um, Constantly under, oh my gosh, just like all those scenes of like Riz Ahmed, like getting raises and stuff. Yes. Or what his pay is going to be. It's just like, oh, dude, I don't know why you're not asking for more. <laughs> but then, I think he asked for like $175, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I should have asked for more. And then at the end, he's like, I got to do, ha- like, I'm going to do, ha- as soon as he figures out how big yeah. this thing is. And the fact that the whole end of the movie is that earlier uh, there's a triple murder. And they get there before the police do, and he not only captures the murderers leaving, he sees yep, their faces, yep. their license plates, uh, he sees the murder weapon, he goes inside and films all of it. He withholds the fact that he has uh, the identity yep. of the murderers uh, for his own leverage, which obviously horrible. And then his big plan at the end is to uh, use their license plates to find them and follow them to a location uh, where they would never presume to be followed by police. And then he would call the police on them and then would film what would happen when that happens. And there's a a shootout at a restaurant and a car chase uh, and uh, and all of this. And he, you know, wants... um, Riz Ahmed to go film this. I can't remember what his character's name is for some reason. Um, I can't remember either. It's. I keep wanting to say it's like Jack. I don't think it's Jack, but um, uh, Rick. Hold on. I'm, his yeah, name is Rick. I'm looking at it. Um, but yeah, he then, as soon as he hears, he's like, this is illegal. Like, I want like half of whatever <laughs> you're getting. Like, I'll yep. do it if you give me half. And then even then, when he's like, okay, it sounds like I don't have a choice, I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to kill this guy. And he does. Yeah. Uh, he does yeah. by letting the other guy kill him and not doing anything to stop it. Yeah. Um, and, of course, lying to Rick, telling him that the guy who's going to kill him is dead already. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, that scene... And it's not even, like, what's weird is that might not even be, like, the worst thing he does in the movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the stuff he does to Rene Russo, which I, I do want to talk about because I mm. think it's, I think it's really well done the way they handle that stuff. Yeah, uh, there's a whole but, lot of fucked up about that too. Why don't you, yeah. uh, why don't you talk about that in, instead? Because we've already kind of discussed how horrible of a person he is. But yeah, yeah. So you know, throughout the whole thing, it's you know, like you said, he's either bullshitting. He definitely has just pure raw intelligence and is yep. a quick learner. Yes. Uh, regardless, because yes, he is bullshitting, but he also is quick to find out, you know, how to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, so with her, she runs like the lowest rated news, you know, nighttime channel in the city. Yep. Basically, I mean, and he finds, you know, figures all this out. Like he says, you know, you can learn anything on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how he's so self taught. And she, you know, he basically just has her over a barrel of. Either your career is going to die, you're not getting any younger, you're also a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, like, these are all things going to go against you. Yep. But if you have sex with me because I like you, mm-hmm. um, 
I'll and keep you working agree to with kind you. of be with me. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep giving you my footage so that you know your ratings can go up. Especially like he said, he figures out you know when the sweeps are and yes, all that kind of stuff. But what's crazy is you never actually really see any of it, right? I mean, no, it's inferred. And, I think. Yeah. Well, because I mean, even so, he makes the proposition, right? I mean, you think that she takes it because he keeps going back but they only he only mentions it one time when he's getting mad with her like yes when you spend time with me like you gotta mean it and this and that and Not that's like it the last yeah, they time don't or whatever. Yeah. yeah they don't show anything they mm-hmm. and it's again it's not always discussed but it's just kind of done through subtlety yeah uh, um, like by the end, end of the end, movie it's like she's you know, and that's the thing at the end too. It's like, did she like Stockholm herself into it? Yes. Or is it just she knows this is so good that she has to fake it as much as possible to get what she wants? Like in a way, mm-hmm. he's twisting her to become like him, right? Yeah. So I feel um, like by the end, I don't think she's the performance was too convincing to me. Like I feel yeah. like he gaslighted her or. Um, maybe that's not even the exact right terminology, but like he made good on his promise to make her station more profitable and buy like a lot. It's not like the highest rated uh, and she's just enjoying the power and maybe gaslighting is the right. I don't know how, I don't know how closely associated gaslighting and Stockholm syndrome are to one another, but it feels like some sort of amalgamation of that. It feels like she gener- like genuinely was like wanted to be with him. Like that's the vibe that I got anyway. Yeah. Um, which to me, I think is the intention because it makes it more fucked up. And if anything, this movie wants to give you it's stuff to make you go, wow, that's fucked up. And it did. Uh, and he's not even an employee, right? So, I mean, you have, like, it is, you know, some yeah, he's form a freelancer. workplace sexual misconduct, mm-hmm. or it's not, like, I don't think it's technically harassment. Yeah. Um, so, again, you know, and he's the younger man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even work there. So, it's just, like, it's an interesting way of how they would tell that story. I mean, you know, typically it'd be the guy's older, um, it's the, you know, young person, younger woman, you know, trying to make a name for herself kind of thing. And this is a thing she has to sacrifice, right? Whereas this is like, she's pretty established. I mean, she is on the downside as far as her career goes. And he's the young upstart who doesn't even work for them, but her success is completely tied to him. So it's just kind of cross-cutting or, you know, cross-wiring some of those dynamics is, I just found really interesting. Yeah. Um, Dan Gilroy, who wrote the script, says that he wrote Lewis... Dan, I think he's Tony Gilroy's younger brother, too, just mm-hmm. by the way. I think so. I think he may have edited the movie, I think. Or there's a Gilroy who edited the movie, but I don't remember if it was um, edited by um, John Gilroy and uh, written by Dan Gilroy. Uh, so he says that he wrote Lewis as an anti-hero based on the ideas of unemployment and capitalism, which I think is only partially successful because I'll admit to being intrigued by um, the well, character. Well, he, he originally had, like, in the script, an origin story, and then he 
scrapped all that because he didn't want people to feel sympathetic towards him. Yeah, I, and I didn't. I didn't feel sympathetic at all. I did feel intrigued um, because it's hard to not be intrigued by somebody. Because that he is, is a car crash. Yeah, he is. And he's so intelligent and it's like it's and charismatic uh, charismatic he's he charismatic without being like, emotional it's just completely yes. singular like yes yeah. absolutely there there is something to that um like i feel like that maybe pulls at like the darker side of like what people wish they could be like um like if you combine that with kindness and empathy and other things like that then you've got a more idealized um person but if you strip all those things away, uh, it's he's a pretty dark character, who, yes. uh, and pretty dark is being kind and uh, absolutely. I mean, you can see the the whole idea of based off of unemployment and capitalism. He's unemployed. He can't find any work. He steals for a living, even though he's clearly smart enough to be able to have a probably a good job, and he sees loopholes in the in culture essentially and has zero problem exploiting them for his own benefit which can be appealing if you don't have any empathy or ethics uh he does not and uh you know there's a lot this is not like the weird thing about this is that this is not an overly dramatized story there are people out there who have careers kind of like this uh, because they do things sort of like this. Maybe, obviously, well, not obviously not to the extent that he does in this movie, but there are definitely people out there that clearly make good livings off of the exploitations of others. Uh, and that's just sort of like a fact of life. Uh, this was sort of maybe like a hyper-realized version of that because this guy did all of the horrible shit you could think of and got away with all of it. Um, but it's, I think an excellent commentary on, um, like exploitation and stylization and just like hyper negative, like news reporting. I think this touches on a lot of stuff. Uh, and I thought this movie was excellent. Um, this might be one of the better movies we've uh, watched on here yeah. on this podcast. One little fun fact, which I never even thought about until reading this, like as we were recording. Mm-hmm. But man, it makes so much sense. Yeah. So Jake Gyllenhaal lost twenty pounds for this role. Like mm-hmm. he didn't really eat much, and he worked out constantly, which explains why he's like super veiny. Yes. Um, this was his own idea. He wasn't pushed or anything. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because in the script, and they talked about it, they wanted to think of him as like a coyote. You know, he's picking up scraps, kind of what you would think of as the, you know, the car wrecks. So that's the whole thing is to make him seem as visual as a hungry coyote as possible. Mm-hmm. And I find that really interesting and it makes a whole lot of sense in hindsight. Yeah. No. Um, I agree. Um, do you have any uh, any extra and or final thoughts on Nightcrawler? And uh, do you remember what you would do? You remember what you would have given this? You probably don't in 2014. What would you give no, it now I with mean, 2021 eyes? Yeah, I mean, I watched, I rewatched it again for this, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it like a four and a half, probably. I mean, it's it's solid. I feel like it might be just a, a tad 
long. Like there is one little lull, but other than that, like it is pretty not so much like fast pace, but I feel like the pace is really good of just telling mm-hmm. the story. Agreed. Um, yeah, I thought this was excellent. I think at the uh, the end of the day, I think I'd settle it maybe like a four and a half for this movie. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, way more than I was expecting. In, in that's actually considering that this wasn't the movie I thought it was going to be uh, when I started watching it. Uh, I liked it even better. I think this would have probably not been as good as if if this was just a sociopath like uh, killing spree murder movie. Um, so I think at the end of the day, yeah, this was excellent and uh, will absolutely make it onto my list of movies that I'm mad that I didn't get a chance to see earlier. Uh, yeah, this was tremendous. The real question now, Glenn, is uh, will we have the same luck for the next movie <laughs> we select? Um, I'm going to head on over to realgood.com and their Netflix roulette machine, which uh, it took me a little while to figure out, uh, Glenn, because they have a, apparently a lot of streaming services connected to this roulette machine. And I had to individually select Netflix, which probably would have cleared up a lot of our some of our earlier problems because I think we've selected more than one time a movie that wasn't actually on Netflix. Um, although I maintain that Catch Me If You Can was. I think it was just removed. It was because I watched it on Netflix. Ah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, for sure. It just got removed. Uh, now, these movies, uh, everything... Again, it is on IMDb TV now. So, if you want to oh. watch it on IMDb TV for free, you can watch it. I don't think I... I don't think I have that, but... No, um, no, you just go to imdb.com. Oh, I'd have they, to watch it have, on my computer? I don't yeah, know. they have they have <laughs> movies on there now. Or if you have Prime, I think they have an IMDb TV section on Prime now. Oh, I'm fairly I, certain they I do. Did, I did see the movie on Prime, but it didn't have the little Prime sticker, so I just presumed that I could not watch it. But yeah, like I said, I'm, I think like on their interface, there's like a section for IMDb TV mm-hmm. now, and it it is on there. I think you have to watch it with ads, but it is in there. Uh, okay. So I have already hit the spin the wheel button four times while we were talking. And, uh, because we don't watch TV shows, we don't watch, uh, we're not going to watch any foreign movies or, uh, no offense to the foreign movie market. Um, we're not going to watch anything with subtitles because I hate reading while I'm watching and, uh, no documentaries and things like that. Uh, although I could use with a good documentary, I think right about now, but I did land on a movie. It is on Netflix and I don't know if it's going to be any good at all, Glenn, (laughs) but it's only an hour and a half long. So, um, the next time we gather to talk about a random Netflix film, it will be the 2012 horror slash thriller film starring Brittany Snow and Jeffrey Combs called Would You Rather. Does that sound like fun, Glenn? Desperate to help her ailing brother, a young woman agrees to compete in a deadly game of Would You Rather, hosted by a sadistic aristocrat. I hope you're I hope you're ready. <laughs> I mean, I love Jeffrey Combs. I love you know, you I love Jeffrey to, Combs too. You don't get to see him that much. Have you seen oh, this? Also, June Squibb in uh, uh, 
John Hurt are in it too. Apparently, no, I've never seen it. Oh, okay. oh my, oh my gosh! Hmm. The guy who played uh, Penguin in Gotham apparently is in this. Mm. No I way! See his name way down at the bottom, so he's probably not <laughs> in it much or dies no, very quickly. But uh, no, his name's but, uh, in there. Uh, well, I'm here for it, Glenn. Uh, it'll be a, a a a slight nostalgia kick for a moment, uh, reminding us of the good old days of the Cinema Geekly Gotham podcast. Um. Well, shit, I don't think this is going to be good at all, but it's only an no, hour and a half. Terrible. Um, this is on real good. Its tags are listed as suspense, survival, and video games for some reason. Uh, huh. But yeah, this sounds terrible. Uh, it has an average IMDb rating of 5.7 out of 10. So I don't think this is going to be good, but you know what? Uh, open minds. I'm going to keep an open mind heading into that uh, movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, sure. Uh, make the Pick the movies Pick the movies at random, they it said. It actually doesn't have that bad of a rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. No? What's it on Rotten Tomatoes? 59%. That's not bad. Does it have an yeah. average, an average uh, score? Uh, um, let's see. Are there, or are there no, not enough? <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's enough. I mean, there's two pages of reviews, but they're you know usually gives you the tab to yeah. see the aggregate score. There maybe I it'll can't be fun. It. Yeah, and Je- and look, Jeffrey Combs is in. I presume he's the aristocrat. Uh, yeah. Well, his name's Shepard Lambrick. I'm gonna go out <laughs> on a limb and say he's the aristocrat. Yeah. Okay. This could be a lot of fun. I my mind is a little more open now. Um, okay, so uh, that's a wrap for this episode. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for Cinema Geekly, hit subscribe, and uh, that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about that 2012 horror thriller Jeffrey Combs aristocrat movie, Would You Rather, on another podcast from Parts Unknown. <laughs>